Hello and welcome to Setting the Scream. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And uh, guys, I, I think we left Elijah at the hotel. And uh, that, that's not a good hotel to get stuck at. It um, certainly isn't. It certainly yeah, isn't. Especially since, depending on, you know, if you're reading the book or watching the movie, the hotel might not even be there. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway. Crazy uh, things, crazy things like that happen. Maybe Elijah's there or maybe he's not depending on who you ask yeah um what i i I don't know where he is but what i do know is that we watched a movie about a hotel this week we did and and ben this movie has brought us into a very special time in the month of setting the scream it's stephen king time yes it is it's stephen king time to talk about the movie dr sleep which is nice. interestingly is not the movie that you would expect um to or i guess the movie that you would think of when you hear about a stephen king movie about a hotel but it's the sequel to that movie it is it is uh doctor sleep is a <laughs> it's a movie that was released in 2019 uh it serves as basically a uh sequel to the film The Shining, uh, the film that we covered on our previous podcast, Some Jerks Talk About Movies. Uh, and uh, and yeah, this is a movie that came out in 2019, directed by Mr. Mike Flanagan, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. And it is a movie with a star stud cast, in- including, I almost said including, um, <laughs> including uh, Ewan McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, uh, Kylie Curran, Carl Lumby, uh, Zach McLaren uh, and Jacob Tremblay, Emily Allen Lim, Bruce Greenwood, Cliff Curtis, a whole lot of other people. Uh, I really just wanted to say Cliff Curtis. Uh, the a bunch of those other people were kind of uh, <laughs> extras, but Cliff Curtis played a large role in this movie. And um, not Jack Torrance, or Jack and not Jack, and not Jack Nicholson. Hey, hey, hey! But he did a good job. Oh like, yeah, he, like home, home, homeboy did a good job. Uh, I am pulling, I'm pulling up the uh, the budgetary information. Yeah. Uh, while you're doing movie. that, uh, for those of y'all who may not have seen The Shining, Jack Nicholson played the uh, main character Jack Torrance, yes. who uh, also makes an appearance in this movie. Yes. So, um, so budget for this movie, budget for this movie was forty five million dollars. It grossed seventy two point three million dollars. Uh, which may not sound like a lot, but you know, for for horror movies, which traditionally don't get that much, uh, don't really bring in the the buckets and buckets of money that those Marvel flicks bring in. Uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good showing. Ratings those Marvel wise, pictures. Those Marvel pictures. Uh, ratings wise, this movie has a seven point three out of ten on IMDb. A 78% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 59% on Metacritic, and from our good old friends at Google, it has an 87%. I'm really curious as to as to how Google like uh, calculates their ratings. My guess is that because their rating system is just on a thumbs up, thumbs down system. So my guess is like just you know, split the diff. Can you leave comments? No, I don't think so. Oh. So it also has a nice three stars out of five on uh, Common Sense Media. There it is. There it is. Uh, well, fellas, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first movie this month that all three of us have seen before. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And 
I think at least two of us saw it together, but I can't remember I whether think, or not that actually. I think happened. all three of us saw it together. We may have. Wasn't all three of I us? I think remember. so. Because I think uh, I think Mike was there too. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that 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 would make sense then. Um. Well, fellas, what I haven't seen it since. Now that that is where we'll differ. I've seen Same. this a bunch of times since. Oh, since. not this actually, version. I, yeah. Well, I've. Oh, yeah. That's actually true. Um. <laughs> uh, I actually own this movie. Uh, too. So good stuff. Um. But uh. But yeah, fellas, what were your thoughts about this movie, and have they changed since you first saw them? Um. I would say so. Uh, so when I first saw this movie, I really loved it. Um, I thought it was really well done. Um, I don't think it's as good as I thought it was when I first saw it. I still think it's really good. Um, something that I thought a little bit more about this time, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, is the end of this film. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it right now. Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit, and maybe I can figure out how I feel. Yeah, I also want to squeeze in a time later, uh, by the way, just to talk about like the people who are playing the uh, the, the old characters, mm-hmm. the new people. Anyway, I just want to put it out there. Um, yeah, I saw this with uh, with the boys, I, I guess. Um, I really liked it when I first saw it. Um, I don't think my opinion has changed since I, since I saw it. I, this is the second time I've seen it. I haven't seen it since we saw it at the theater. Um, but yeah, I, I this is a movie that I legitimately did not know what would happen. Like it's, it's like usually in movies, you know, you, you see when you see enough movies or when you know enough about film or we know enough about storytelling, you're like, okay, I, I know what's going to come up next. You know, like I, I get it. Like the hero is going to win or something. Typically, like there's some suspense there. You maybe you maybe don't know how that's going to happen, but you know it's going to happen. And this movie, like the the heroes were so like I don't know. I mean, there's a little girl, obviously, but I, I just I just thought like I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this movie. Like it's taken so many turns, like and it's gone pretty dark. Like I don't know. Like they could go really dark, and that just be the end. Like it's Stephen King. <laughs> um, so. I don't know, man. Stephen I, never really goes that dark. Like, I, I think Stephen King's a pretty hopeful guy. He he never goes that dark. It's it's not like he ever pulls a George R. R. Martin and just kills random characters just because it sounds fun. Or or a uh, a George Romero where you know everyone's just dead. It's it's <laughs> over. It's it's over, man. Game over. Sure. Or writers sure. lost. Where. They were dead the whole time. Maybe question mark. I've never seen yeah. Lost, but um, I, <laughs> I haven't. From what I've heard, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, they yeah. might all be dead, maybe the whole time. Yeah. So who really knows? So this is technically my fourth time seeing this movie, uh, and I don't know why. I do kind of know why. We're going to talk about it later. But um, but this time it didn't really it didn't really hit me as well as it did those other three times, um, because I really enjoyed it the first time. Second time I watched it, 
like it jumped up several notches like for a short time it was actually on my favorite movies of all time list my top 20 um for for a short period of time it was on that list uh and then you know it slowly faded off but um but yeah this time this time i started to see that sort of diminishing return um i still think it's a great movie i think it's uh i think it's one of one of the best Stephen King adaptations I've seen, regardless of whether or not it actually adapts the script, it actually uh, recreates source material. It does adapt it, um, but but uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's a really solid movie. Uh, I think 2019 has kind of come uh, in the in the horror community has kind of become this uh, really big year for horror films. Uh, Honestly, I think really 2019 good. was just a good year for film. That's a good point, my friend. That's a very good point. Like, there were just there were a lot some good horror movies that came out in 2019, but there were some good films that came out in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And granted, I might be a little biased because that's like the one year that I actually saw most of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture, but like... Yeah, that's that's true. Solid collection of films that year. Yeah, I, I think I think I agree with you on that, Doug. This, this movie was probably... I I, rem- I think I vaguely remember after watching it thinking that this is a movie that I should consider putting in my top 30, but I wanted to see it again or I wanted time to pass to like see if I could, you know, what I thought about it later. I just forgot. Mm-hmm. I just never did it. But this is <laughs> yeah. certainly something that like I could see being in that range, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, 2019 is the same year that we got Midsummer, same year we got Us, which is a great uh, Jordan Peele movie. Jojo uh, Rabbit. We got no, not Jojo Rabbit. Well, I yes, mean, we Jojo Rabbit. I was nineteen, but I was I was Rabbit going more the horror. Oh, you're thinking the of horror, horror route. Oh, okay. Um, we we got Ready or Not, which is a great film, a uh, film that I consider putting on my top twenty list. Um, and yeah, I mean Ben's right. Like it was just a great year for mm-hmm. for film in general. Because you also got but, uh, movies like Jojo Rabbit. You got Parasite. Um, yeah, Joker. Story, Joker. Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Of, yeah, once upon a time in Hollywood. Like there were 1947. 19, 19, uh, 17. 17. Yeah, it was one of the it was the 19 blank. Uh, it starts with 19, ends with a seven, took place in World War One. Uh, uh, we got we got we got the great uh the lighthouse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is also a horror movie. Um, yeah. Good yeah, stuff. It's a good year for film. Joker. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I think a big wow, the southern accent really came out right there. <laughs> I think that uh, one of one of the best parts about this movie, or one of the reasons that this movie is so well regarded, is because of the man behind the camera, the man mm-hmm. calling the shots, and that would be uh, Mr. Director Mike Flanagan. Um, if you do not know Mike Flanagan and you enjoy horror films, let me go on and tell you, you better. You better get acquainted with him because goodness, this guy is awesome. Um, he uh, he created the Haunting of Blank series uh, on Netflix. So that's Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, he was the director for Midnight Mass. He was the director for uh, Ouija, Origin of Evil, the director for Oculus, a movie that I really want to see, uh, that I, I like the actors in. I really want to see it. Uh, the director of or the director and writer of one of Ben's uh, favorite horror movies, Hush. Um, and 
the director of a movie that actually got him this job as the director of Dr. Sleep, which is Gerald's Game. Uh, now, uh, now the the boys, they've heard the story because I just told it to him before this podcast started. But the entire reason that Mike Flanagan was brought on to direct Dr. Sleep is because Stephen King wrote this short story a while back called Gerald's Game. And Stephen King said, he said, this is the short story that cannot be adapted to film. It just, it will not work on film. It only works as a book. It only works as a, as, as a print, uh, as a print art form. Well, good old Mike Flanagan looked at him and said, I think I can do it. And he made the, he made the film Gerald's game and it crushed it on the Netflix ratings board. Uh, got a lot of really good reception and Stephen King saw it and he said, okay, this guy gets it. He gets me. And they basically said, let's, let's team up. Let's do it. And that's how we got Dr. Sleep. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah. Doug, you mentioned this uh, before we started recording that Stephen King had started to come around to uh, Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining. I cannot find anything like that. Uh, I did find this article from 2016. Uh, that's a bit of a backhanded compliment about it. Uh, yeah. a quote that says I think The Shining is a beautiful film and it looks terrific as I've said before it's like a big beautiful Cadillac with no engine inside it in that sense when it opened a lot of reviews weren't very favorable and I was one of those reviewers I uh, kept my mouth shut at the time but I didn't care much for it um, so uh, just kind of reading that article uh, one of his biggest issues with uh, The Shining the movie um, was the treatment of Jack Torrance as a character uh, saying yeah, yeah. that he already kind of appears crazy when we first see him and he has no arc. He just starts crazy and gets crazier. I, yeah. I remember, I remember watching the, the shining and reviewing it. And that's the last time I saw it a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but it, I honestly, I, I don't know. I mean, he, I, I, I really think he seemed I mean, it's Jack Nicholson kind of plays a character. Like Jack Nicholson already looks crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's just a crazy. Jack Nicholson man. as a person is like, <laughs> kind of just teetering on the edge at so, all times. Yeah, so maybe that's it. Maybe they were like, it's just Jack Nicholson. He looks crazy, but I don't know. It may, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe not. But I mean, it, it seems like at the beginning of that movie, I remember he seemed like a decent guy. You know, I mean, so, maybe he had a drinking problem going into it, but he seemed like a decent guy. So in sort of this, in sort of this, the shining verse, uh, there does exist. Um, there does exist Stephen King's adaptation of the shining, mm-hmm. um, a film, the film version that he wrote and I think directed, um, but I know he wrote it and created, uh, as a, as a mini series back in, I think the mid nineties, um, and there, that is like one thing that the that that series does genuinely well is Jack really does come across as a tragic character, like no shadow of a doubt. Jack is a tragic character who gets corrupted and destroyed by the hotel, and I I definitely agree that that is the biggest critique I've seen from from Stephen King of those of Stanley Kubrick's version is that from the get-go jack torrance is insane like he's he's teetering on the edge um i do think that part of that is just because it's jack nicholson mm-hmm. but 
but I think, and, and again, like, like Ben said, he can't find anything to back this up just from what I've heard, uh, from, from, uh, videos that I've seen, Stephen King's opinion has kind of been like, has kind of come to be like, you know, it's, it's its own thing. It's definitely not what I want it to be. Yeah. Uh, I found another it is quote, what it is. um, that came out after, uh, Dr. Sleep was released. Uh, he said, all I can say is Mike Flanagan took my material. He created a terrific story. Uh, people who've uh, seen this movie flip for it, and I flipped for it too, because he managed to take my novel for Dr. Sleep, the sequel, and somehow weld it seamlessly to the Kubrick version of The Shining. So yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, so I don't know that he's really singing any praise to Stanley Kubrick or The Shining, the movie. It's sort of, um, it's sort of like come to peace with it. Right. I think he's come to peace with it. And he is very happy that Mike Flanagan was able to take his story of Dr. Sleep and present it in a way that is both honoring to the novel and also can still serve as a good sequel to The Shining, the movie. Yeah. 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 Which it sounds is a very tricky thing to do because the book and the movie are rather different you're you're essentially working you're essentially working from two authors narratives Mm -hmm. yeah sounds like he's overall happy with the outcome yeah yeah which is interesting because um i I mean i I will say up front i've not read the shining i've not read dr sleep um but reading the wikipedia page for dr sleep uh this movie does take a lot of liberties from the story um in particular uh the character billy um who's the little baseball player kid that we uh that gets killed pretty early on plays a much jacob tremblay's jacob tremblay's cameo in this movie Mm -hmm. uh plays a much bigger role through the rest of the story um the um people from the group whose name i can't remember the true knots the true knots uh they stay around a little bit longer they don't all die at one time um obviously the overlook is gone uh already and uh the true knots apparently have kind of turned that uh the space where the overlook was into uh, a campsite that is run and organized by them uh kind of their base of operations uh so it does take liberties but i think overall the story that um it is telling is still mostly the same which i think is why stephen king was on board with it despite the liberties that were taken yeah, and and I think I think the biggest thing that has been said uh, about this film and about Mike Flanagan's direction is just that he definitely seems like he gets what Stephen King is going for. So it's not like it's not like some other projects where Stephen King has either had a lot of influence in or has had very little influence on, mm-hmm. where where a director or a writer will either completely miss the mark or will have to stick so closely to the source material that drags and it becomes boring. Mm. Mike Flanagan seems to have a good, a good sense of where it needs to go to, to satisfy Steven's needs Mm -hmm. and understand where it needs to go to satisfy the audience's needs. Yeah. And uh, Stephen King also did a good job of not being a micromanager. Like, he gave his seal of approval on the script and that was it. Yeah. Um, like he was not on Mike Flanagan, like don't mess up my story this time. Like I'm sure he may have probably wanted to do to Stanley Kubrick. 
well like he did to stan like he did to stanley kubrick Fair. <laughs> um but uh but yeah i think i think this is a really good movie this really yeah. does sort of like it's not like mike flanagan didn't have work before this that also was great and was well regarded mm. but this definitely was sort of like his i'm here get ready yeah and at least from what I can tell, he didn't psychologically torture people on the set, which is hey, always a great thing. You'll love to see it. We cannot love to say it. for uh, Mr. Kubrick, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, he sucked. Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing that I really like about um, Dr. Sleep in comparison to The Shining is that Dr. Sleep I feel like is so much more than just a horror movie. Um, I came into this week ha- having been a few years since um, I had seen it and I wasn't convinced it was a horror movie. Um, I will recant that point of view. I do think this is a horror movie, but I think it's so much more than that um, because there's so much like mythology, so much kind of mystical mysticism in this that at least for me makes it, a much more interesting movie than I find a lot of horror films to be. Um, and, which I, I get that I'm speaking very generally about horror films. And obviously that's a blanket statement. It doesn't apply to all horror films, but this is the kind of stuff that I like to see when I'm watching a horror film. Like I don't want it to just be, Ooh, we're trying to scare you. Like I want you to tell a story and I want you to tell an interesting story. That's well thought out. Yeah. has depth. And I feel like this does like we get into the mythology of like, what is the shining? Like, what does it do? We don't get all the answers. Like a lot of it is left up in the air for me. I kind of look at it kind of like the force from star Wars. Um, Obviously there's some differences, but that's how I understand it. Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. Tristan. I, I, I just agree with that. I mean, there's so many horror films that I've seen that I just, I mean that, yeah, they scare me. And that's a big part. I don't like being scared, but tr- truly, like, it's like, why am I watching this sometimes? I just feel like it's just, it's just meant to try to scare me. And it does. <laughs> but, but like, I don't know, like, that's not, that, that's not very interesting to me. And yeah, I like this. I like that, that this, it, it, it does, I don't feel it ever over explains something that is, that is honestly pretty complicated as to what The Shining is. I don't feel like I really over explains it. It just kind of puts you in this world with these people. And um, yeah, I mean, I like that about this. And I don't know if it's truly a horror, really. Maybe it's more like a supernatural horror type deal or something. I think it absolutely has horror elements. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, based on the definition, at least, it's horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I will also say in the same breath, the different like the stark differences in how the two i'm gonna talk about the two films because that's what i know how the two films handle that mythology they are so starkly different and that is always a disconnect for me like i understand that dr sleep is supposed to be a sequel to the shining like i understand that yes this is danny torrance they're going back to the overlook hotel uh they have the shining there are times it doesn't feel like they're connected at all like so I, dr sleep could be just a stand like a, a one-off standalone story it could and 
I don't think it'd be that different. Well, so, the, I mean, like, there would be a few differences, obviously, but like, I, so I don't think Doctor Sleep needs the shining to stand on its own. So I think that kind of gets into into one of the things, one of the problems I had with the movie the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't like I said this did spend some time on my top twenty list, but it did not do that originally. Um, and it's because I had a really big problem with the fact that the whole connection with The Shining very much so felt like it was shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think looking at this time, you're absolutely right. Both movies treat their mythology very, very differently. And I think that's why I enjoy this movie overall more than I enjoy The Shining. Yeah, I mean, The Shining, the Shining is a horror film. The Shining to... is straight up from from at moment one. It's trying to scare you. At least this movie, movie, though, this movie though does a really great job of weaving in uh, the other thing that Stephen King is well known for that sort that sense of fantastical realism, mm-hmm. um, where like where like just enough is off about the world that yeah. that it's not literal or it's not uh, real life. Um, and I think that sort of intermingling of those two aspects of King's work really do elevate this film overall. Yeah. I I feel like half of the shining is, is about Danny and his problems, you know, within his mind and like what's going on. Like it cuts to him pretty often. It goes back to Jack, you know, with his struggles and stuff. So um but but this movie is all about the shining and which you know and, and the shining the the topic i mean the, the thing not the movie um but in the movie you've got you've got um his name's dick i think the the cook yeah that would um, be uh that would be dick halloran yeah uh, and, yeah go, go ahead and, and I, was, he, I was gonna say the actor's name and i don't have it pulled up it's a uh, Carl Lumbly and uh, and Doctor Sleep, and then in the Shining, I'm going out on a limb. I think it's Scatman Crothers. I could be wrong. I'll fact check it. Um, it is. It's Scatman Crothers. Hey, go, Doug. Okay, sorry, Tristan. Say uh, say whatever you're gonna say. Uh, thanks. Um. <laughs> uh. So I mean, it. it the Doctor Sleep goes into the subject of the shining in which the first half it, it kind of alludes to well i mean it, it it alludes to it in the way that you know, we don't even know what, what what it is yet like dr sleep explains what is happening but the the most explanation we get in the shining is when dick sits down with um with danny in the kitchen and is like talking to them about it you know and like explaining mm. things and, and and it just leaves so much open for interpretation and then even going into Dr. Sleep, it's like, if we're going to talk about The Shining as a, as a topic and what it is, it's like, what, like, there's so, there's, you could go so many different places with this, you know? And the, the place that they went with it, just, I mean, I, I can't think of a better word than just badass. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it just is just cool to me, like the way that, that, that it's done and it's explained. Or not explained. I mean, there's a lot open. I I think it's I think it's also really worth mentioning the fact that you know Doctor Sleep, the novel, 
came out um several came years out after the shining 46 or not 46 36 years mm -hmm. after the shining novel came out and this movie came out 39 years after the film after the original film came out and the fact that both of them are able again none of us have read the novel but i'm just assuming i'm assuming okay. the fact that We're talking both the of them the fact that both are able to simultaneously stand on their own and also feed into each other so well i think that just speaks volumes to the uh to the skill that went into to creating mm -hmm. uh these stories yeah. um with the okay i'm just i'm just gonna get this one off my chest um with the exception of the ending of both the shining movie and the doctor sleep movie i have never liked either of the endings um i i like this ending a lot better than i like the shining ending um mm -hmm. because i feel like the shining just stops um doctor sleep i think is a better ending i don't think it's the best ending you could have but that's just yeah. a little bit right that i've I, always I had against biggest, this movie uh, I think my biggest problem with the endings is uh, in The Shining, the movie, Stanley Kubrick decided that he didn't want to use Stephen King's ending. So in Dr. Sleep, Mike Flanagan was like, oh, you didn't use it? Well, I'll use it. But it doesn't fit. Right. Like, it doesn't It doesn't fit as well. I mean, Mike makes it work, but it doesn't fit the same. Right. It doesn't um, fit it's, as it's... well as if um, the Overlook had been destroyed in The Shining. It's it's not the same button that you need on the whole right. story. Um, I mean, I like I said, you know, I think I think Mike Flanagan figures out a way to make it work, um, and I think it I think it does well. I've definitely improved my opinion of the ending of Doctor Sleep since I first saw it, but I still don't think it's a great ending. Honestly, I think I had more issues with it this time than I did the first time because I remember watching it first time. I was like. Oh, they're going back to the overlook oh, and like this time I'm like you know i don't know if i like this um because the hotel's barely been mentioned the entire film uh there are a couple uh like allusions to it but it the hotel is not in the shining the hotel is essentially a character um the hotel is a character the hotel's the antagonist right and in Doctor Sleep, the hotel, like, it plays no part until it just gets thrown in at the end, which I don't like. Um, the yeah, the hotel not... becomes a deus ex machina. Right. Yeah, and I, I personally, I, I, I feel like the director or the team working on this could have made this something... I, I can't I, I said it before but like over explaining it's a, this is a, something that I felt like could have really easily just we could have gotten too much exposition for and I think we got just enough and yeah the hotel stuff at the end where it came in I mean I, I I'm particularly thinking of when it took over Danny's head at the end mm -hmm. and was like in inside his head um I mean if it would have gone any further to explain that though I think I would have been like I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I needed that. I mean, I don't think it would have changed my opinion a whole lot, but like, it's just vague enough for me to like, think about like, okay. I mean, there's enough weird things happening in this movie so far 
<laughs> that I'm just going to let that one, like, that, I don't want to let that one go. Yeah. And, like, I, I do want to make it clear, like, I do like what happens in the hotel, um, like, the final battle. I do think that Yeah, that is, I mean, it's I it's think it's good. well done. It's, My problem is the fact that the hotel is there at all because yeah. it doesn't have a place in this story. Um, and I think the reason it's there is to make it a sequel to The Shining, the movie, where the hotel is not destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, it does and seem I to, think come to out really of confirm to the people watching it that, yes, this is a sequel to The Shining, the movie. Here is the here is the hotel. Here are all these flashbacks that we've recreated to show you that yes, we are a sequel to that movie. We're not just some standalone thing trying to uh, just completely discredit Stanley Kubrick. Like we want to honor his vision too in this. Yeah, and, it just and, goes a step too far for me. Well, for me, I mean, I I am I am able to make it make sense in my head that they go here because from the events of the first film and then at the very beginning of Dr. Sleep, you, you see Danny as a kid, like, like boxing up these ghosts, these demons or whatever, and like con containing them within the hotel. And that this, this building is like severely haunted in that it's, in that it's like, it, it, there's a ghost possessing the walls of this building or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like that to me, that makes sense. That's where they, they would go because it's dangerous. I mean, they explain it in the movie mm -hmm. and that's where Danny's demons are. They're in that, I mean, they're in his head, but like, they're also there physically. I feel like it just, he can just make a connection there with that. Why he unlocked them there. And it just, it just felt like something that would have been, that was way easier for him to do and gave him a lot of power in that, in that battle at the end, you know, I think he knew that somehow. Yeah. And so. again, I, I, I do want to say, I don't hate how it's done. I hate that it's there at all. Like, okay. I, I do think Mike Flanagan makes the best of a bad situation. Um, but I think it's just a bad situation that he has to include the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. However, um, you know, for for all my gripes that I have with with the ending, there is one part of this movie that normally, normally, I, I tend to have a lot of problems with in movies. <laughs> I tend to have a lot of problems with it. But this movie, I think it does really, really well. And that is the child acting in this movie. The yeah. acting overall is fantastic. But let's be real. This movie rests on the weight of the uh, of the young actors in this movie, um, and I think that they knock it out of the park. Specifically, Kylie Curran as or Curran, I apologize if I uh, mispronounce that name, um, as Abra Stone, who is our protagonist in this movie. Uh, like, let's face it, Danny Torrance is just along for the ride. Um, this is Abra show. Uh, but I mean, I think she knocks it out of the park. Also, uh, also as a sort of like side side boss or a, or a side battle that has to happen. Uh, Emily Allen Lind as Snakebite Andy also does a phenomenal job. Um, and Jacob Tremblay is all in is in ten minutes of the movie, so not really going to talk about him. <laughs> but um, 
I, I think, you know, the skill of these young actors in this movie really is incredible, especially not to throw shade at, but to throw shade at Danny Lloyd, who played Danny Torrance in The Shining, the original movie. And who, who plays uh, some random person in the audience of the baseball game in this movie. Yes. Um, and like, you know, he does fine. He does fine. He plays a creepy kid really, really well. Mm. But, but he's about 50 percent. <laughs> yeah, there, there's about 50% of that movie that's devoted to Danny Torrance, and it's about 50% too much. Just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I'd say I in The Shining, Danny's not as strong of a character as I think he could be. Um, I think also part of that is just the star power of Jack Nicholson. Um he steals every scene. Um Yeah. I I think it also just again. He doesn't do a bad job. It's just he plays one note and that's it. So right. it's it's not for me. It's, I mean, that's what Jack I, does too. But I, I think I think something that really speaks to that is the fact that Ewan McGregor takes the role of Danny Torrance, does mm-hmm. nothing like what the kid does, mm-hmm. like what Danny Lloyd does, and does a great job. Mm-hmm. Like, I love his Danny Torrance. And yeah. you believe it's Danny Torrance. Like, mm-hmm. no doubt yeah. in my mind that it's Danny Torrance growing yeah. up. And in in The Shining, the movie, Danny is throughout like the whole movie, pretty much. He's clearly extremely disturbed. And I I mean, I think it's it's not I don't know if they knew necessarily all what they were getting into when they made it. They probably didn't. Um, The the original one. But I mean, he's the hotel, his shine, like all of it happening at once. There's a lot happening inside of his Mm -hmm. mind. He's very busy. (laughs) <laughs> he's not he's awkward like when he talks to people when he stares at things like he's extremely awkward because he's seeing things he's hearing things you know and then you know in the, in the at the beginning of this movie really before he before he sobers up he's still that way you know mm-hmm. he's i mean he's like homeless and he's a drunk and things like that but he's he is still that way and then we, we don't we don't see him change until he you know at least a little bit change until he sobers up. So I, I, I like that. Yeah, I think you're on the spot there hmm. with that. Hmm. How do you feel yeah, about the acting, Tristan? I, I love it. Okay. Um, you guys thought I didn't like it. I really do like it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, specifically, um, oh, what was her name? She, she played uh, Kylie. Uh, yeah, Kylie um, Curran. Yeah. I mean, she. So I have two two main things I, I want to say. <clears throat> Spots in the movie. Um, I'll start with actually I'll start with Jacob Tremblay. Um, just his whole part. You know, it's not very long, mm-hmm. but holy crap! There's not much I've seen in films that just like shock me and terrify me. But that scene where he dies is mm-hmm. one of them. Like it's it is hard. It is truly horrifying. This watch. is almost completely unrelated. But if you want to watch a movie with Jacob Tremblay that will uh shock you uh watch room not the room room um not to be confused with the room which is another movie unrelated to room and unrelated to tommy wiseau's the room but there's another movie it's on netflix and it's called the room that's weird yeah there's way too many movies called room and too many many variations too many rooms yes uh room with jacob tremblay you know, the end of the, the end of Doctor Sleep had it right. They got rid of all the rooms. <laughs> no more rooms. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's one. That's one where it was like, I mean, he was mostly screaming, but like it, it was 
it was horrifying. And then, of course, um, Kylie. Um, gosh, so there's a point where, okay, I guess I got three things to say. One of them is the scene where um, she's like digging, digging through the files, like her in the cathedral, like that yeah. whole scene yeah. where she's like, it, it was, that is what, when I say badass, that's what I mean. Like that is incredible when, in this movie. And there's a point in the movie where she like, I don't know what happens to her character. I guess she just understands or something. She just gets it. I think it's, I think it's when she's in the car, like after she was drugged by that guy. Um, I don't know. Like she, and she just, has to play. She has to play you and McGregor playing her. Yeah. Like that to me is like, okay, that could have been really bad, but you did an excellent job. Like you stepped it up there. That was really like, good. Like, I think it's, I think it's worth mentioning the fact that, you know, this, uh, this, this young actress, Kylie Curran, like, I mean, she, she's able to go toe to toe with heavyweights, like heavyweights, yeah. like Rebecca Ferguson and Ewan McGregor, and she holds her own, like really? she does not get steamrolled at all. And Rebecca mm-hmm. Ferguson is, is great in this too. Like, oh, absolutely. And she is intimidating as crap. Like I love Rose the Hat. She's such mm-hmm. a good villain. Yeah. Yeah. Going um, back to that for a second, I, I don't like how she was defeated. I thought it was a little too easy. Um, but other than that, I think she's a really well done villain. I, I do want to just mention one other thing about about a about an actor in, in this movie, uh, Emily Allen Lynn. Uh, snake bite andy i think she was like 15 when this when she made this movie um or 16 or something like that um and i just want to talk about the fact that i think she's great in this movie um i've seen her in two other movies and she's not great in either of those sorry but she's not she's actually terrible um and I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that she plays the same kind of character in all three like this this person who at one point was like who has come into this incredible power and this incredible presence that she has uh and the only difference between the three movies where she plays the exact same character uh is that in this movie in dr sleep she has that humility to her she has that that sort of that sort of uh fear that comes out when she's talking to rebecca ferguson of like oh crap we could actually lose um and i just think it's great that little that little extra thread of character that she has makes all the difference that's all i wanted to say i i I just want to say that that's all i want to say all right uh now doug i think you're the only one of us who has seen the extended cut did we miss anything yeah yeah um so there are so there are two versions of this movie that you can watch you can watch the theatrical version, which is what we watched tonight, and obviously what we watched when it came out. Um, it is two and a half hours long, uh, and it's, it's a good time. It's a good movie. But, so and long. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, can't, I, I cannot believe I'm saying this. If you want to watch the best version of this movie, in my humble opinion, you got to watch the extended cut, which is, sadly, three hours long. Now, listen, listeners. It does not need to be three hours long. Trust me. No matter which way you slice it, this movie's way too long. Love you, Mike, but slow or not slow. Speed your movie up. Um, 
However, the extended cut does a lot to flesh out the characters of Abra and um, the True Knot. Uh, it really makes the True Knot feel like this domineering presence throughout mm-hmm. the entire movie. Uh, you know, they they allude to the fact that they allude to the fact in the theatrical cut that they've been around for centuries and like they're not afraid of the police. Yeah, you feel that power that they have in the extended cut. You feel that that sort of like you can't touch us. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing you can do to stop us. Um, so they're really great. Uh, Abra is shown a lot more in the um, in the extended cut and like really owns that movie. She owns this movie too. She owns the theatrical cut, but it does feel a lot more like a split ownership between her and Danny. Mm-hmm. And the extended cut is clear from the beginning of the movie. This is Abra's movie and Danny's long for the ride. Um, there's also some great stuff with, uh, with, with uh, Dick Halloran and Danny. Uh, they've got some much more fleshed out scenes in the extended cut. So yeah, I don't like the fact that it's three hours long. Trust me. I don't like it as much as you like it. Or I, you know exactly what I'm trying got to say. It. Words just don't work. But you got to watch the extended cut if you want the best version of this movie. Ben, I, I wanted to talk about uh, the you know the older characters like Jack and um, Shelley Duvall's character, the mother, mm-hmm. Danny's mother. I can't remember her name. Uh, yeah, what do you guys? What do you think? Uh, so, go ahead, Ben. I was just gonna say I really like that um, we got to see them again. Um, Obviously, it's not like the same actors and actresses who uh, performed in those roles originally, but I think they do a good job of serving as good callbacks to the original. Uh, One thing that I think Mike Flanagan does really well uh, is recreating the images that we see from The Shining, Um, because there were a couple of shots that were just lifted from The Shining, but a lot of it was recreated. with new actors, new set pieces, just made to look exactly like what we saw in The Shining. And I think it's really well done. Yeah. Um, I When I first watched this movie, um, I kind of had an issue with the fact that they recast uh, Jack Torrance. I knew they were going to, because like Jack Nicholson's retired. But um, it was but, one of those things but... like... Well, no, no, there is a butt coming. There is a butt coming. Um, but I I think, and I think when I first watched it, it was kind of in my head, like, I would have just preferred if you just had, like, some voiceover and you never showed his face. I would have preferred that. But now watching it um, a bunch of times, I think it's, I think it's actually really useful uh, and really great that they do have that clearly different actor in there because it does sort of feed into this idea that uh the hotel or or the shot or the like uh demonic forces that they're fighting at the hotel uh it doesn't give you exactly what you're looking for it gives you a mask of it it gives you this distorted view of it so i think that's why that actually really works yeah um that's good it's it's sort of like that uncanny valley sort of thing of like you know what they're going for but it's not exactly what it is yeah and i I felt that way in a similar vein the way i was doing it in my mind was that danny remembers his father just looking like that something similar he was five when he died you know 
So maybe that's just like, or to the sordid thing of, well, that's like his dad mixed with this hotel or the bartender that is with the hotel, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense like that for me. Or they could have, they could have just shot it where it just showed the bartender's hands too, you know? Um, Cause there were a few yeah. shots that, that were really good of just a glass on the table and just have a yeah. voiceover and they could have found someone who sounds honestly, they could have found someone who sounds more like Jack Nicholson. There are, a bunch of actors, there are a bunch of actors that came out of that of that era who like made their careers off of doing Jack Nicholson uh, voices and impressions. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I will say I always appreciate when there's a recasting like that, getting someone who will not just do an imitation. Um, it was completely unrelated, but that's why I like Alden Ironrack so much. Because he's not out there trying to be Harrison Ford anyway. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just, just one last little shout out I'll give. Um, Carl Lumbly, uh, does a great job as Dick Halloran. He did. Um, yeah. Like, and he really looks like him too. It's really crazy because Scatman Crothers as Dick Halloran in the original is a really amazing part of that movie, but you only get him for a little bit. Same thing here. You only get a little bit of him, <laughs> but Carl Lumbly makes makes the most of it and he makes the role a both a beautiful homage to scatman crothers and also makes it his own it's great mm-hmm. great 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 yeah anyway thanks for humor now you want to score the sucker yes so Doug, why don't you get us started i will so <laughs> okay i really enjoy this movie i enjoy the extended version more than i enjoyed the theatrical version and i know that we only watched the theatrical version but it's only 30 minutes worth of difference so i am gonna let that influence my school i'm going to give this movie an 86 i think it's a really really solid movie um i i really do enjoy it way more than i enjoy the shining um but i think it i think it overall is a well is a better crafted movie i think it's a better story um i think the acting is phenomenal and they didn't have to torture their actors to get the performances, which is always a plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. 86. Nice. Doug, I honestly, I thought, and I, I forgot your reaction to when we saw it, but I thought watching this movie, I thought you were not going to like it. I thought you were going to say it's like hammy or something like that, but I'm pleasantly surprised because I am also giving it 86. And that was a number that I had before. That you just happen to say. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to go a little lower than y'all. Um, I like this movie. I think it's a good movie. Um, it is certainly not without its faults. I think it's way too long, first of all. Um, and again, I think it falls into the problem of trying to be the sequel to The Shining instead of. I don't even want to say instead of staying faithful to the original adaptation, but like, I think Mike Flanagan makes the best of a bad situation, but I think it's a bad situation. Um, And he handles it as well as he can. Uh, I'm going to give this a 75. Um, I still think this is a really good movie. Absolutely worth seeing. Um, If you like The Shining, if you like horror movies, Um, obviously, if you don't like horror movies, I don't blame you for skipping this one. Um, but yeah, 
Honestly, though, if you're not a big fan of horror movies, like this is a good one to do. This is a good one to watch because it's got elements of horror. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it's I don't know, man. It's like it's if you want to get into horror movies. I could see this one being a good one to kind of like um, kind of test the waters on. But yeah, you know, that's that's actually a really good. That's actually a really good point. I've been trying for several years to figure out like what the best movies are to introduce to my friends who aren't like huge fans of horror yeah, i, I think they, it depends on what genre of horror you're wanting to get into yeah yeah like if you're uh, wanting I, to get into like straight horror i would say this would be a good film to introduce you to yeah i i would agree i would agree well uh, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer bam uh we get a final score of 82.3 repeating so yeah pretty solid movie i would say um i don't remember Definitely what on earth we gave the shining but um this is a good movie um and i feel like we're all kind of in agreement that we like it better than the shining um that's that's the vibe i'm yeah. getting yeah I agree that's the vibe i'm getting um i think they're very different movies but i i think we would all say that this was a better one um yeah and you know what we like sequels so much. We're talking about another sequel next week. Oh, um, but it has nothing to do with the shining. Gosh. Um, and I don't think it's going to be quite as serious a discussion either. Folks, hold on, folks. Y'all got li- y'all got to listen to me for just a second. If you have not listened to any of our other setting the scream episodes, which I recognize the fact that that does mean that you wouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> But you need to listen to our episode next week because we are listening <laughs> to we're we're not listening. We are talking about one we of the listening. the dumbest movies that have that has ever been made. It is a movie that is so stupid, but so amazing and so horrific, but so beautiful that I genuinely cannot wait for it. Mm. Folks, next week we're watching the 2000, I think, three. Uh, if it's not 2003, it's 2000, even. Um, movie Jason X, also known as Friday the 13th, part 10, although it's it's just Jason X. But we're talking about Jason X. You were completely wrong. Week. It was 2001. 2001. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah oh, man, wow. 2001, what a great year for horror movies. This and Final Destination. Oh, wow. Let's go, boys. Hmm. No, Final Destination came out in 2000. I'm just going to shut up. We're talking about Jason X next week. You're going to want to <laughs> be here for it. Yeah, it sounds pretty whack. It'll be something. Uh, anyway, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, and be sure to keep up with us on social media, uh, at Vider Media, and keep up with all the cool stuff we're doing. Uh, we've got a couple more episodes of setting, or I guess one more episode of setting the scream next week. Uh, also, be sure that you are listening for screams throughout each of the episodes, and when a signed picture of Doug's face, whose signature will <laughs> hey, it be? Who hey, knows? Hey, hey, look, look. We know it's stupid. We know it. We know but that's a dumb fine. thing, but it's a lot of fun to just do. Hmm. Well, yeah. Uh, personally, I'm having fun finding places to fit the screams in. Because uh, yeah. I don't want to just like throw it in randomly. I want to make sure it makes sense. Um, I was particularly <laughs> proud of um, last week's um, in um, host 
Uh, so if you missed it, go back and listen to it. I think it's really great. Um, but yeah, um, until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And this has been Setting the Screen. Y'all have a great week. Bye.